All right, joining us now on the 702 Communications line is Minnesota Attorney General, Mr. Keith Ellison. Mr. Attorney General, thanks so much for joining us. Um, yeah, glad to be with you. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time. Let's talk about what you're looking to have the DOJ do. So I guess let's start there. What do you want them to do, and why did you sign on to this letter with 10 other AGs? Well, I believe that uh, we've got to have uh, affordable lives for everyone. That includes our ranchers. That includes our farmers. And that means that when they produce beef for us or cattle, they've got to be able to get a price that could sustain their ranches and their farms. We know that uh, the, the prices that the farmers are getting for the beef they produce are, are climbing down or sliding down. And yet uh, the, the prices that uh, are sold to consumers are going up. And uh, what's the problem? The problem is we have a highly concentrated market. We need more competition in that market. There needs to be more producers. We need to have real competition, but we don't have it. We have what we have is monopoly. And our country knew back in the 1890s that monopolized markets are not good for consumers. They're certainly not good for small producers and they're not good for workers either. Every monopoly is also something called a monopsony. Now, what is a monopsony? What that is, is somebody who's the only buyer. And so they can say, I'll pay what I feel like paying. And so that's what happens to our, 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 our beef producers. They, they got to take the price that's offered. And so, yet, on the other end, when it comes to the, the retail consumer, they charge what they want because uh, if you want beef, there's only a few people selling it, so you pay the price they demand. Yeah, this is an anti-competitive market. We want the uh, DOJ to do something, and you can bet these Minnesota state DOJ is going to do something. That's why we're going <laughs> with our partners. I'm going to get to the state possible investigation in a moment. But what I want to hear you say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you suggesting that these four meatpacking plants are maybe colluding on price, and then you want to see the DOJ go in and go, hey, guys, we're going to break these up or what? It is absolutely something that I think there is enough facts to investigate you know, there are certain things that just look suspicious enough so that you can't exactly make an accusation until you take some uh, some discovery and you get some information and you get some real facts. Uh, and I think that's the situation we're in right now. We're not prepared to file a complaint uh, suing them for antitrust violations, but there's enough there for, uh, I think, for anybody to investigate. And uh, we want DOJ to do that. And I think that a lot of us around the, the country who represent agricultural states are very concerned about it. And now I'm talking about uh, state attorneys general. And that's what I was just going to ask you, sir. You heard Senator Kevin Kramer talk about there, like, okay, the DOJ can do one thing, but states can also do their own investigations. I'm it's true. hearing you sort of allude to the fact you may have already initiated, initiated one or looking into it. Are you thinking about doing something within Minnesota as well and looking into JBS? Well, I usually don't announce what I'm going to do until I do it because uh, I'm not trying to give my um, potential uh, uh, adversaries a, a heads up. But I'll say that some of their pricing behavior and is, is raised concern. Um, and when you go, yeah. go ahead, sir, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, and if you look at the company JBS, I mean, this is a company, a Brazilian company, where the two major stakeholders of that company you know, have been prosecuted in Brazil for uh, bribing public officials and a whole lot of other things. I mean, uh, and, and, and they, they've been charged with foreign corrupt practices. This is a company that has a track record of anti-competitive behavior. Uh, and uh, the record is clear. Anybody can Google them and learn all you want about JBS. 
figure out who owns JBS, figure out some of the things they've gone through and you you will be concerned as well. Yeah, and thank uh, you. So that's what we're doing. Thank you for saying that, uh, Mr. AG, because I did see a recent story from the New York Post as well, where, and I don't want to say anything that's inaccurate here, but I, I know things were either being looked into or they didn't want them being as involved as they are with Wall Street because of JBS's past. So with that being said, you bring up a very interesting point about JBS being Brazilian-owned. Smithfield is a Chinese-owned, the pork processing right. plant. So my question for you, and I know you guys don't see eye-to-eye -eye probably in much, but do you, do you support President Trump using the Defense Production Act with these meatpacking plants? Yeah, I think it's an appropriate thing. I mean, the thing that for me about, about it is that we've got to also make sure that these essential workers are not basically turned into disposable workers. I yes. mean, we've got to make sure that the plants are clean to work in, that workers are not risking their lives when they go into these plants to create food for you and I to eat. You know, that's my big thing. You know, uh, we've got to have uh, OSHA investigation to make sure that uh, it's a safe working environment. And I know a lot of workers at JBS and Smithfield have gotten uh, positive outcomes from coronavirus. That means that we need to de de we need to clean those plants up, disinfect those plants, get those workers the health care they need so that they don't have to worry about risking their lives when they go to work. That was the next thing I was going to ask you, because I think uh, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue put out a letter maybe yesterday saying, hey, we want to make sure we use the CDC guidelines and OSHA because part of the Defense Production Act could potentially indemnify these companies from being sued uh, by these workers. So does the CDC, the OSHA, what the USDA has laid out, is that appropriate for you? I think that the CDC guidelines are good. You know, we okay. use them here in Minnesota. We also rely on Jen Malcolm at the Minnesota Department of Health. But I think social distancing, hand washing, disinfecting, these are the proper things to do. Testing, I'm so proud that Governor right. Walz has ramped up testing. And I think that uh, uh, it's it's the uh, right thing to do. Let me ask so you this. I'll say, yeah. Sir, if you had a magic wand, I know you don't create the laws, but if you could maybe influence some lawmakers, you know, one of the things we've been talking a lot about on this show, sir, is, hey, let's put American beef first. You know, let's go out and make sure that we're using up all the American beef that we can, because right now we've got beef hitting our soil from Africa, but our American producers can't get out and even get it processed, is one example recently from a gentleman down in Texas. So what can you do as an AG to, I don't know, use the law or do something to ensure that we are putting American beef first in Minnesota? Well, I, I'm not in a position to pass tariffs or anything like that. What I can do is work on competitive markets and worker safety, and I can work, uh, make sure that the prices that consumers have to pay are not gouged prices, right. but in fact are fair. So that's that's me staying in my lane. Mr. A.G., I want to get your take on this. I, I did about a 10-minute piece on this last night. We're in the middle of Ramadan right now for you. And yes. So my question is, let's say you were a faith leader and you were going to have a big iftar tonight, for example, or I'm a pastor. <clears throat> I was going to have a big uh, um, service, you know, this coming Sunday, sure. more than the sure, 10 sure. people. What would you do? Well, what I would do is is I would counsel people that... You can be close with your heart. You can be close to God without putting your physical body so close to somebody else that you might transmit the virus. I mean, this is a moment of a spiritual challenge, I think, for so many because they want to be together. They want to come together. Sir? And yet, you know, we know that uh, according to the epidemiology, you know, that it's not exactly a safe thing to do now. It will be, you know, but sir, uh, God willing, it will be. But at this moment, I would say, um, you know, think about your health, 
Mr. AG, a lot of our seniors. I don't mean to, to, to interrupt you, sir. Just no, go right ahead. Just because I didn't, of, I didn't hear just you. TV uh, time right. is the only reason I'm doing that. But my, my question really is this, because I know in your initial letter about Minnesota Governor Tim Wall's executive orders, you said, look, uh, if these non-exempted businesses do not comply with the order, I'm going to use full enforcement power. But my point to you is that in the U.S. Constitution, I think we've got the graphic, guys, it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So if a pastor or, uh, you know, one of your leaders in a mosque wanted to hold an event or a service that had more than 10 people, are you going to cite them? Are you going to arrest them? Are you going to prosecute them or not? Well, the point is that every case is, is different, right? You've got to look at the facts of each case. You've got to look at how many deliberate, foreseeable violations took place. You've got to look at a whole lot of things. I'll tell you that the Minnesota Attorney General's Office does not have direct jurisdiction over criminal prosecution except for in Medicaid fraud. Every other case, we have to be invited in by the county or by the governor. So the, the direct answer to your question is, I won't be the one criminally prosecuting people in all likelihood, but, but it's really, but we don't want to threaten people with the law. We want people to do the right thing because it's right. Right. But my, and if, if anybody can understand that it's a pastor doing the right thing because it's the right thing, not and, because and, what the government might do to you. And I agree. My ultimate point, though, sir, just just from a legal standpoint, since you're an attorney in the AG, is the fact sure, that. Sure, I am. Yeah, 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 you can have these you know, statewide executive orders, but even Bill Barr, I'm sure you read his memo from last Monday, the 27th, said, hey, the yeah. Constitution's not suspended in times of crisis. So just to be clear, the state executive order is not going to trump the U.S. Constitution, correct? What I'll tell you about the Constitution is that for every constitutional amendment, it has had to be one uh, had enabling legislation to make to put some real definition on what those broad principles really mean. And it's also true that, you know, you can't shout fire in a crowded theater, even though you have a First Amendment right to freedom of a speech. You have a right to freedom of speech, but you can't say things that are going to cause imminent danger to other people. And so, you know, if you look at, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the way this, uh, the First Amendment has been construed by many courts over the decades, what you'll see is that, yes, you have a right to freedom of faith, and this is a critical American value. But those same things need to be uh, factored in with regard to health, safety, and other factors like that. It's not just a broad prohibition that, that can never and it can never be uh, can never be in in any way altered or adjusted based on circumstances. It's a living document, and it is a, and it is a principle, but it is also subject to pragmatic considerations. As I said, you can't shout fire in a theater even though you have a First Amendment right to shout under ordinary circumstances. And that's fair. I guess what I'm hearing you say is, hey, Chris, if they did it and they did the social distancing within the CDC guidelines, sort of like these meatpacking plants, you guys wouldn't necessarily back it, but you're not going to go out there and really do anything either. So anything else you want to add there, sir? You know, just, uh, you know, thanks for doing the show. Please, I appreciate you highlighting this issue of market concentration. It's a serious issue for people uh, all over this country uh, and, uh, We've got to start taking uh, uh, antitrust uh, much more seriously. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. I know you guys are doing some interesting things with, you know, uh, you can't with rent and mortgages and things like that in Minnesota as well. So please come back, okay? 
You call, I'll answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison joined us tonight. He signed on. Have a great night, sir. Uh, he signed on to this letter with uh, 10 other attorney generals statewide to ask the DOJ to investigate the meatpacker. So want to remind you, please go to our website, povnow.tv. Again, povnow.tv. There you can join our Fighting for the Truth email club, Fighting for the Truth email club. And of course, please share your point of view with us, what you heard there from Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison. It's very easy to do. You can email us. You can text us. You can leave us a voicemail. That's going to be coming up here in a moment. And stick around. Your points of view coming up right after this. Oh, I love that. <laughs>